Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Ultimate Life, the podcast dedicated to helping each person, you, understand who you really are and to create your ultimate life of purpose, prosperity, and joy using your gifts, your life experience, and your passion. Uh, I'm grateful today to have a special guest. Uh, Nicole, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Kellen. I'm absolutely delighted and grateful to be here today. Good. So we're going <laughs> to, we were talking a little bit uh, beforehand about some cool stuff that you're doing. And I'm just going to ask a question and let you uh, talk a little bit about some of the stuff you said, but just be inspired about what you want to say. The question is this, how is it that Nicole is adding good to the world? That's a great question. And I'd like to think that since my near death experience at 19 and my memory coming back at age 38, okay, since then, I now know what my mission is. And it's taken me another 20 years to truly align my mind, body and soul. But that's to tell people not to be afraid of death. And death is a huge topic. And so to break it down into bite-sized pieces that people can understand. That's what I'm here to do. And I did not come back to please my family or anybody else. It's totally to help people with this fear because it is something that is going to happen to every single one of us. It's the only shared experience that we'll all have is we are going to die. Uh, it used to be death and taxes, but a lot of people seem to be getting out of paying taxes. So it's death. And unfortunately, we live in a culture of death denial. And I want people to start talking about it, discussing it, preparing for it. Think about it. you prepare for weddings, for the birth of a baby, uh, going off to college, but we don't want to prepare for death. And when we don't, it can fracture families and they wind up never talking to each other again. So it's really important that we focus on the positive part that it's going to happen, and we prepare for it. You know, in our pre-combo, you said something, uh, and you also gave it in, in the bio, uh, and I, I'm going to say it wrong, eternality advocate. And I enjoyed that word, and I knew what it meant just because of its construction. But I want you to talk about it, because if something way past preparing for death, which is, okay, it's going to happen you know, let's decorate the casket or prepare some pretty cards or whatever. But there's something way beyond that, that your eternality focus is about. So talk a little bit about uh, eternality. And before I turn you loose, I want to make a little note here. And that is you've had a career which included time at the CDC, which is in the midst of doctordom and, you know, very scientific, this, that and the other. And so your context comes and your eternality focus and helping people understand what it is, death is and isn't it comes from a perspective that people might not expect, which is through the sort of medical stuff. I, you know, I know you're not a doctor per se, but 
lots of experience in that universe. So go ahead and tell us about eternality. Yeah, and you actually said the word right. You are one of the few people that have actually pronounced it right. Um, and it means the quality or state of being and having no end. And you may have heard it as everlasting or endless. Uh, and why I chose that word and to be an advocate for that is because we do not die. And that is what I understood when I crossed over to the other side. We all have a soul and upon death, we also also have an energy body and upon death, that energy body cracks open and our soul leaves us. Okay. And goes to the other side, heaven, whatever you want to call it, whatever space that is or place that is. And that part of us never dies. And I want people to understand that you don't need to be afraid of death because that soul part will live on forever. And yes, your physical vessel will pass, it will decay, um, but that soul lives on. And that's why I have become, that is now my vocation. I closed my business this year and I, instead of an occupation, I have a vocation. And I've written a book about it now and I'm trying to get the message out there that there's 10 common lessons that myself and other near-death experiencers have brought back from the other side. And if we could learn to implement these lessons now, right here, then you don't have to die to, to learn them. And this world would be a brighter, more loving, more compassionate, humane place in which to live. And like I said, the first one is we don't die. And the second one is love is all that matters and the source of all that exists. And I know people poo-poo that word love this, love that, but it really is. It's not only an emotion and an action, it's an energy. And I know you must have felt that energy when you had your near-death experience. And that energy is- So let me, what, I'm going to throw something in here that I'm going to want you to expand on about that very thing. My- <laughs> My both lived experience and my understood experience as a coach, a catalyst, the person that helps people do the things they don't believe they can do is that love isn't just a cute thing to talk about. If you think about the energy that fills a room that radiates out of the people that are there, negative energy, fear, hate, anger, discord drives people apart. It, it, it is the energy of separation and destruction. Love, I mean, we're heliotropic beings. So is everything. That means attracted to light. Cactus will grow crooked. Amoebas migrate across a Petri dish to get to sources of light. Love yeah. is the literal energy that holds everything together. And so I know that you agree with that, but I just wanted to say there's a lot of physical evidence about that as well so go ahead number one is you don't die and that's true you're an eternal infinite being and number two is love is whatever you said the most important thing in the universe the greatest power so keep going yeah it's it's all that matters and the source meaning god creator whatever of all that exists and there's nowhere that god is not and I want to just stop here and say, I was raised in the South in America, a very religious, very conservative, went Southern Baptist upbringing, Lutheran upbringing, 
And we were taught that God, the concept of God was a duality, meaning good and bad. Okay. God was loving, protective here, there for you. Um, and then on the other side, there were rules besides the 10 commandments, each, each organization seemed to have their own set of rules. And if you didn't follow those rules, then you were deemed uh, a sinner, a bad person. You would potentially go to hell. Uh, the wrath of God would come on you. You would be judged and criticized by this God figure. And they created this persona of God as this white man in the sky. And I want to tell people, in my experience, that is not true at all. God is love. It's this energy of love. And that is why the most common experience of near-death experiencers is this white light. It is a indescribable brilliance. It doesn't blind you like a deer in the headlight um, or dazzle you. But in my book, and I'm just going to read it real quick, this is what I remembered for the first 19 years. And it was the only part I remembered. And then the rest of my memory came back one day as I was going to work at CDC. But I felt that rays of brilliant white light flooded me from all sides. Streams of light cocooned me, wrapping every part of my being in a chrysalis of soothing waves. Instead of the pain of impact, I felt rocked and held. This was bliss. So when I went, when my memory came back and I, this was the car that I was in. It's a 1965 Corvette convertible. And as you can see by this photograph, it looks unsurvivable. And in my case, as a passenger, it was unsurvivable. I was pronounced dead at the scene, covered up in a blanket until the EMTs got there. And the only sign of life they could get out of me Kellen was when they did a sternal knuckle press, my right pupil dilated and flinched. And if you remember that saying, our eyes are the window to our soul. At that moment, my soul, which had left me when I went through the windshield, at that point, my soul, an angel came down and took my soul to the other side. So I never hit the ground and felt the impact and the pain of all the injuries that I incurred. And then when they told me I was going to come back, I came back, my soul came back through my eye. And at that point, they put these mask pants on me, pushed all the blood up to my uh, organs, and they were able to get a blood pressure on me of 60 over zero. Now, that is still life and death because normal is about 120 over 80. They wound up doing CPR for 20 minutes the entire ride in the ambulance to the nearest community hospital. This happened out in Colorado Springs when I was a cadet of the Air Force Academy. So I didn't even get to a trauma hospital. And 20 minutes of CPR is a long time to do that on somebody, okay? Mm -hmm. So yeah. that night, they just tried to stabilize me. That was the goal. And then it was another four months of up and down. And I tried to go back to that other side two more times. I coded in, um, in an operation and started on my way back. I was trying to find that light again. And an angel stopped me. And then another time, uh, my lungs were filling up. So... Um, I know that I'm supposed to be here and I know that I have a purpose. I mean, we all have a purpose, but that white light that I was talking about, that is the presence of God and love. And uh, the third thing is everyone and everything is connected. And that's because we're all energy and we haven't gotten that lesson here yet. 
that everyone, including all the sentient beings in Mother Earth, we're all connected. And what we say, think, feel, and do affects others. The air in Canada with your wildfires, it got all the way down here to South Carolina. And let me tell you, 132 million Americans were impacted by the smoke of that. A lot of them wound up in the emergency rooms. These shared resources, water, air, all of that, we are connected. And we need to remember that as we, at least here in America, continue to be more po polarized and divided on issues uh, such as race, sex, abortion, politics, all this stuff. And in the military, what they always told us is you bleed red. Bottom line, end of the day, we all bleed red. It doesn't matter anything else about the person. And that is what I wish we could all understand. Um, for so before, you, before you go on to number four, and I want you to, what? why do you think, like, what is going on that it is so hard for us to understand about the love being the source and the glue and this connectedness? Like when, when people think about their own individual experience, they realize in quiet moments that we are connected. If I hurt you, I hurt me and all that stuff that uh -huh. comes out of that thought. But what is it that makes it so hard? I mean, we got a war in Ukraine. We got a war in Israel. We got, you know, civil war in, I don't know, half a dozen other places. Why is that so hard for us to remember, even for a minute, that we're connected? I think now I'm just going to be honest with you. I think we are in a psychic cloud of shit pollution that has been created by humanities from centuries of abuse and greed. And we are in the process of breaking down these old uh, structures and ways of being. And in order to do that, it's causing people to have to either wake up or they dig harder into their own belief systems. They're going one way or the other. But it's time for people to understand that they have to become responsible and conscious in order to affect change. And you have to become aware, and you know this as a coach, to be able to change anything. And if you're not aware, if you keep yourself in a trance, and by a trance, I mean you drink all the time, you compulsively eat, you binge on Netflix, you are a, a compulsive shopper, any of these things that take you away from actually having to look at yourself, do the work of what it takes to transform yourself, to spiritually transform yourself. And it's not for the faint of heart. It is not an easy journey to look at yourself, your behaviors, your thought patterns, your um, unconscious belief systems, and get help to try to change that and be the being that you came here to be, not someone else telling you this is what you should be and you just fell into it, believed it, and have just gone on and just kind of been unconscious about life. And as long as you have your internet and your you know, your phone to dial up fast food, you're fine. So there's two things there. One <laughs> is we built this mess. And two, you're talking about uh, a global, and I, I feel it also, a global yearning change wave motion that, that causes people to question and either decide bury deeper in their, you know, bury their head deeper or to move to change. What's number four? 
Loving ourselves and others is the most important thing that we can do. And I don't mean loving in terms of giving myself a manicure and a pedicure and all of that. I mean self-love. And that is to let go of shaming yourself and other people. If you could take that word out of your vocabulary, just exit out to say to anybody, shame on you, to your children, to yourself, to anybody, because that is the, one of the lowest vibrations. And it really is shaming that you're less than, you're not good enough. That is just not true. When we, we have something called spiritual amnesia, we forget that when we are born, we forget who we are and where we came from and that we are these radiant, glorious, intelligent, perfect, uh, eternal beings. And this is what you're trying to get back to remember. But as long as you're judging yourself and you're judging others and you're shaming them, that is not going to align with a higher vibration. And also when you're filled with fear and along with that emotion goes worry, if you're consumed with fear and worry about, you know, COVID, whatever it is, spirit can't get through those layers to actually help in the transformation because you are so saturated in these low vibrations. All right. So we need to move. I want to hear all of these. And then I'm going to have some more questions after that. So what's number five? We are more than our physical body and brain. And hopefully most people understand that, that uh, when we pass away, that the physical part of us and the organs in there, including the brain, that they decay and deteriorate. And that life force energy, that she is what lives on. That's okay? fabulous. I completely agree with that. And anyone that's done any kind of personal development, self-development work is aware of the nudges and the feelings and the, the stuff that, you know, that happens that lets us know we're somewhere else. And besides that, if a person gets their legs cut off, I mean, they're still there. So we're yes. not our bodies. There's something else. Perfect. Great. What's uh, what's what's number six? This is so refreshing. We are never alone. A lot of people during COVID, a lot of people passed and so many people were worried that their parents or people that friends died alone. There is an entire spiritual realm filled with angels, guides, all kinds of beings, deceased loved ones that are there for us. We have to ask for help. That's the free will part of the relationship. They're not going to intervene unless we specifically ask for help, unless it's an emergency situation, which it was in my case. I had an angel come and take me to the other side. 38 years later, I learned it was my grandfather. He was an alcoholic. The driver was an alcoholic. Now that does not carry over to the other side when you pass, but it's a commonality that I thought was very interesting. And he saw the abuse that was going on with me at the Air Force Academy. And he saw how I wanted to quit desperately. But in our family, you couldn't quit anything once you started. You would be deemed a failure and weak and less than not good enough. And especially getting into one of these privileged you know, academies, it took so much, but we're never alone. And if you can just remember you, all of us have at least one guardian angel and to start a relationship with that angel and with um, guides. And there are so many meditations on different platforms to help you connect to angels, but it can be just as simple as when you go to bed, angels, please help me X, Y, Z. 
know who you are, send me a sign. And then you have to be open to what these signs can look like because they can come in other uh, angel forms. Humans can be coming an angel. Uh, they can be the angel like Casper the ghost kind of heavenly angel. I mean, music, you know, butterflies, all these different signs that they are with you, the electricity going on and off. So, so this is really interesting because I refer to my wife, whose name happens to be Joy, because of a divine intervention that took place in 2007 that completely changed my life. And she came into my life at that time. And there's a whole story about that, but this isn't my story. I refer to her all the time as an angel. And my experience is that most often the plea, the connection, the prayers that we offer, um, not always, but are most often answered in the form of things around us. You mentioned music, you mentioned ideas, you mentioned other people, all those things. And the key is if we're open to hearing that as opposed to being closed. And so we're open to receiving the ideas and the feelings that might come from a song or a butterfly or a ray of light or the clouds parting in a particular moment or, you know, all of those things we can say, ah, it's all garbage. Or we can be open to the idea that we matter and that there is help available. So I love it. We're not alone. What's next? We're not judged. Okay. We judge others on this planet. That's one of the things that we do to ourselves. We judge ourselves. We're not or good or bad. The church judges you, the school judges you, you're an A student, an F judge, or an F student. But on the other side, there is no Santa Claus up there keeping track of good and bad. Um, and it's interesting. Um, I was reading about distressing NDEs, and one of the authors was commenting how good and bad are earth words. They don't exist on the other side. Okay. And that is the reason for that is because. There's nothing negative on the other side. There's nothing bad on the other side, but it helps us try to make sense of something and to be able to judge something here if we can label it good and bad. But if we could get out of the business of judging ourselves, instead, pull it back, say, okay, wait a minute, let me express this differently instead of sh shaming you and judging myself and give myself some compassion and some love. But it has to start with us loving ourselves first. Eight, our true selves are perfect and we are loved more than we can fathom. That's at the soul level. We're perfect. And, you know, all of us that have been raised trying to be these perfect little beings, good girls, good boys, that just doesn't exist. We all come here to learn lessons for our souls to evolve. And we already are, if we can remember, get rid of that spiritual amnesia and remember that we come in here already perfect but that takes a lot of rewinding some tapes and some filters and some messages and belief systems that were put upon us that are not truths so Nine, before you go on well before you go on i want to go dig into that a little bit when you said you know good and bad those words aren't the same on the other side yet and i'm not going to disagree but i don't want to leave people with the idea that Everything we do is therefore okay, and it doesn't matter because no. we do things that do affect others and hurt others. And when you said, you know, end the judgment, I love that because 
What we don't do when we judge is we don't allow for growth. So we judge someone and we say, okay, you suck. And what we mean is henceforth and forever, nothing can ever change. And the whole point of the structure of this life with all of its challenges and difficulties and things that aren't fair and everything else is to provide the opportunity, it seems to me, for growth and change and learning. And I so I love it. I wanted to just see if that's also included. And I love the one you just finished, which is you are loved more than you can possibly know. And that love manifests in the infinite opportunity to choose to change. Because you mentioned earlier about there's not interference. One of the foundation framework rules of this whole experience seems to be our right to choose things. You yes, know, that's not... Well. Yeah, we're, we, and, and it is the consequence of the exercise of that choice that yes. ends up being, if there is judge such a thing, it's the consequence of the exercise of the free will that yes. then produces what it is. Okay, you have turned yourself into this. Okay, that's your choice with all the other invitations that happened, and, and that's it. And so, yeah, no, great. Yeah. And that's why when you're in fear, you know, you're not going to have clarity because you're thinking your decision making is coming from your amygdala, that fight, flight or fear part. So instead of your prefrontal cortex, which is your executive decision making, and so many of us are operating out of fear our whole life. So we're not going to make these decisions that are for our highest and greatest good. And because of that, we keep think thinking things are happening to us instead of for our greater good. And when you get clarity, you understand it's happening for your greater good, that that is really what creator and source and all that wants is our greater good. But when you're living with fear, man, that that little bugger can just screw up so many things. Uh -uh. And you know, and what's interesting is back in the 1600s, I was reading about fear, it actually meant awe and reverence. And that's what I think most NDE experiences are, is awe and reverence. It's not the fear that we have translated it into today of being scared um, and putting your nervous system in a, um, a sympathetic state where you're just constantly like this. And I, I love and that you created. Yeah. Thank you for creating that distinction. Awe and reverence is, a, is, a, is another meaning for a word fear, not in our current context. And, right. and I like that. So. Thank you. And I, you were about to go on to number nine, and I interrupted you to, to That's talk okay. about that other. So let's go with number nine. This is great. We're going to see loved ones and others when we return home. So your deceased loved ones, including your pets, you will see on the other side. And you have to remember, they're not in physical form. They don't have the relationship that you had here on earth. So if it was abusive and all that, that's not who they were in soul form. Okay, that is all a result of their life experience here. So it's transformed on the other side and you have it as love. And then the 10th one is you're going to have a life review. Okay, so there's no judgment, but you do have a life review. We learn how everything that we said, we did, and we thought during our physical life here on earth impacted ourselves, others, and the world. So what you do think and say here matters. So if you could implement these lessons now, it's going to make your life review go so much smoother. 
I, I love that. I really am grateful that you said that. And now those are all shared in the book that you just published. What's yes. the name of that book again? Uh, you Are Deathless. Um, a near-death experience taught me how to fully live and not fear death. And I want you to see, you see my credential up there, BTDT? I saw in the thing that my angel wife gave me and it says, been there, done that. Yeah. And so I love that. That is my most important credential. I don't care how much education you have, uh, experience trumps it all. And that is, in this realm, it's not scientifically proven, although they are doing more and more science that is um, uh, supporting near-death experiences and understanding the brain more and what actually happens. But as many of you have, I mean, they estimate about 10% of people have NDEs. If more people could just uh, write about them, share them, and make it more knowledgeable to everyone that these things do happen, I think that it would really help shift people's uh, awareness, belief systems, and give people more hope. I love that, and I didn't know the numbers, but I'm grateful that you said that. Gee, 10%, that's a lot. Yeah. So uh, what do you... You said a little while ago that you closed your business and you're now doing your vocation. And I'm interpreting that means I, I closed this business over here and I'm doing what I love, what I'm called to do, what I'm here to do, etc. My ultimate life. <laughs> yes, your ultimate life. You're right there. Life of purpose, prosperity, and joy. So what was the business you closed and what do you do now? If anything, I don't know, maybe you don't do anything to get paid, but uh, I, I would assume you do. So tell us what, what you do now. How, how do you help people? What does that look like? Well, now I am a 100% disabled veteran. Okay. I've been, um, okay. since my crash, it's been a 40-year process with the VA system here in America to get my rating up to 100%. Uh, I had massive injuries, including uh, a partial amputation of my foot, uh, broken my pelvis, broken my, my wrist, uh, multiple surgeries, uh, uh, just a colostomy, just a lot of things. And so the, the worst part of it is the PTSD, to be honest with you. I have complex PTSD. It was only diagnosed three years ago. Before that, I had been misdiagnosed. And stress is really a factor in bringing on a trigger for me that will cause me to go to a PTS reaction. So I had to learn. I had just plowed through the first 20 years of my life, gotten on with my life, went back to school, mended the physical injuries. My parents did not believe in mental health help. They just believed in Jesus. Well, I know that story. Yeah. And, and and so, you know, as a result, I developed an eating disorder. And back in the 80s, it was called compulsive overeating. And now it's called binge eating disorder. And unfortunately, Kellen, that lasted for 20 years of my life. And for any of your listeners that are suffering from any type of disordered eating, whatever on the spectrum they are, they know how shame-based that particular um, disease is and how self-hate is the root of that issue. And so I didn't know that. So I just thought I'd go into nutrition school and become a dietitian and that would fix me. And I was always looking for these external fixes. And um, I realized that when my memory came back, the answers, I still had to learn to manage all of these things. And that is one of the reasons I closed my business because the stress of doing neuroemotional technique, being a dietitian, even though it was telehealth, 
Um, it was too stressful for me to deal with other people's issues. And now that my book was out, I needed to focus what energy that I had on the book. And I was also guided by my spirit guides to let it go because in my career as a, as a wellness expert, I started in that physical domain with helping people eat better, get physical activity. Then I went to the emotional and helping them deal with the emotions. We're very illiterate in our society with emotions. We grow up with bad, mad, sad, and glad. So we don't have a big buffet and then we to choose from. And then we repress things. We all suppress certain emotions at certain points in our life. And they'll come back because the body remembers. And then that's when they show up as dis-ease in your body and the doctor can't figure out what it is. And so I did that for seven years in a private practice. And then the mental, the stress part, um, trying to help people to be proactive with the stress instead of reactive. And now I'm in that fourth quadrant that even the World Health Organization has as a part of the wellness wheel, spirituality. And that's where I'm focusing because I think just like we have mental wounds that need help with therapy and drugs maybe, and we have flesh wounds, broken bones that need to heal. We also have soul wounds and soul loss when you go through a trauma or a horrific or traumatic experience. And I think that is probably one of the, the least known uh, culprits in the lack of healing in most people because it's not talked about how our soul can fragment upon trauma and you have to be able to bring these soul parts back in and it does this to protect yourself. But I didn't learn about this till 2019 when I actually went and saw a shaman and he was telling me, you are wide open, Nicole, your soul is, and that's why you want to disassociate and keep going back. So um, that may be something your your listeners may want to look into and get help with either a shaman with hypnosis or something like that. And the three symptoms, they're real quick here. You don't want to be here. There's a low level, consistent feeling that something is missing. And that usually shows up in a compulsive behavior or an addiction. And for me, that was the emptiness in my life that was showing up with the eating disorder, which led to a major depression. And the third one is you can't get over it. You are just stuck in this chronic health condition. Or in my case, I was hypervigilant about keeping myself safe so that nothing bad would ever happen to me again. And of course, now I know that's an illusion. I can't control other drivers, but what we're dealing with here is a spiritual and hidden realm. And I'm here to tell you it's real. And there, I think as a veteran, we have in America, 22 veterans that die each day from suicide each day. So that means, you know, that's a lot of souls that are leaving the planet. And that's not only veterans, that's in general, the suicide rate has gone up dramatically. Um, and anxiety and depression and PTSD has also gone up dramatically as well. And I think for a lot of people that it is about soul loss and needing to connect with their soul and bring it back to a wholeness. And so I want to, people to understand that that is another wound that may need addressing if you haven't already. So what I'd like to do to close here is I'd like to ask you, tell, tell people how to find this because I can feel the urgency you're trying to cram a whole lot into a really short thing. I you, know it's is it okay, too much? but you can't you can't do it justice. So tell tell us where tell people where to go find you website book. I don't know if this is all in the book or if you've got courses yes. or what. Where where can they find all this so that they can unpack it 
more thoroughly and slowly? Yeah, I'd go to my website, www.nicolekerr.com. I'll send you a free sample chapter. I want this book. If you please read it, it's less than 10 bucks here in the U.S. And I want it to be in book clubs. I want people to start reading it as a book club. And there's questions at the end about uh, four book clubs. There's a fear checklist. And you can also find me on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and Instagram. Those are about the only three that I can handle. But I think first and foremost, uh, read the book and try to understand that there is a lot crammed in there. And that's why I just don't talk about the NDE. I talk about trauma, repressed memories, all the soul loss. And that's because my journey of the last 40 years has involved all of this. And that's why it took me 13 years to write the book. But uh, it's also available on Audible and Kindle. Thank you, Nicole, for sharing all of that. And I'm grateful for your excitement, your commitment, and your dedication. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you. I want to encourage all you listeners to just take some time, like you could sense her urgency and the feeling that she was trying both to encourage you and cram a lot of stuff in there. And I, I love that. So take some time to unpack it. Absolutely. Look at the book, go to her website, NicoleKerr.com and explore for yourself what's there because the things that she talked about are real. How they apply to you is going to be individual, but they are real. And you need not to ignore how you feel and what's going on in your life. And the most important part is healing is possible. And this growth that you can have will help you create your ultimate life. Open your heart in this time around. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the sky and your feet on the ground.